it's a great joy uh, to be uh, preaching on this particular subject today. One of my absolute passions. And hopefully at the end of it, it will be one of your passions too. Um, we've been looking at this whole thing of loving like Jesus, different aspects of this. And uh, today I have the privilege of talking about Christ's passion and love for his church, his church. Are you excited about his church? Yeah? Great. Sometimes I think, I fear that uh, we can have a perception that um, we kind of understand, yeah, okay, the Father, I understand the Son, Holy Spirit, and we, we're in love with the Trinity and all that He is together, and then we miss out on this amazing passion that God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son has for His bride. We learn to love when we know we are loved. It's true, isn't it? True for parents, okay? Your children, how, how do you teach your children to love? You love them. They learn love because they know your love, you love them so much. That's how they learn love. And we learn God's love because He loves us so much. That's how we learn to love one another, because we know how much He loves us. The measure in which we have an urgency to love the church fully with all our being only really comes as we realize and see how special and valued the church is to God Himself. When our eyes are opened in this way, it will fashion us. It will overcome our apathy, which can easily creep in, and wrong perceptions. As I think about this, I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's kind of easier to love the Trinity. He's perfect, is he not? He's perfect. And all his dealings with us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, never lets us down. We sing that, don't we? You never let us down. Never let us down. You never disappoint us. Never, ever. You never overlook us. Ever. <laughs> you never act in a sinful way towards us. You are perfect in everything. You are fair in everything. Your judgment is exact in everything. It's kind of easier to love <laughs> perfection. <laughs> it's a lot harder when it comes to the church, I wish I could say the same, but we do the opposite, don't we? We let down, we disappoint, we overlook, and we act in sinful ways towards one another. Do we not? Upstairs in the balcony. Yes. <laughs> Just keeping you awake. Um, <laughs> but then again, you and I <laughs> are part of her. We are, you are part, we are part of her. Thank God there isn't kind of like we're just, you are living within a perfect society. 
where actually you suddenly stand out and, oh my goodness, you, you said that? Like, I mean, we would never ever say that. And some, so, you know, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Thankfully, we are all together in this and God is working on us. And as I say, we are a work in progress. You, turn to your neighbor and say, <laughs> I am a work. I, I was going to say you are a work, but let, let's make it personal. Okay. <laughs> I am a work in progress. Have patience for me. <laughs> God gave, sorry, Christ gave, let's get specific, his own life for her, his church. That's how valuable the church is to him. Let's look in Revelations 19. And then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. What is John talking about? God's bride has made herself ready. All creation has waited for this moment. And there is this moment that is going to happen where the bride is going to be brought and presented to Christ. Your bride, your wonderful, spotless, beautiful bride. We're looking forward to that day. We've got a lot of weddings coming up, haven't we? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, we're looking forward to that? Exciting, isn't it? Yeah? I've got a few people you, I'm going to name by name today, just, just so you're on your toes. <laughs> we know what it's like. You know the scene. The music starts. bridesmaids come in and then followed by the bride in all her splendor looking radiant her best the bridegroom's eyes are transfixed he looks around he's nervous he's thought his, he's thought about this day for a long time he's not drawing attention to himself hey look at me he's actually honoring his beautiful bride his chosen one, her that he's chosen to spend the rest of his life with. It's a wonderful day, a marvelous moment. And this is the day, as we look at that Revelations passage, that the whole Bible, the whole Bible has been working towards. This amazing wedding between Jesus and his bride at the point that she is complete without spot or blemish, mature, prepared for her eternal union with Christ. Do you know this? There is nothing more valuable on earth to God than his precious bride, his church. Nothing more valuable.
I'm going to look at the main passage today I'm going to look at is Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, written by Paul, is actually where Paul uses the metaphor of actually Christ's love for his church to point and to help both wives and husbands to learn how to love their spouses like he loves the church. Wives, Ephesians 5, 21, 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband are the head of the wife as Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own Wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking in reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as he and the wife must also see to it that she respects her husband. Paul's using superlatives, the superlative love of Christ for the church. This is the bar that actually Paul is setting. He's saying, see how much Christ loves his church. This is the way, this is the standard in which we need to learn how to love our wives in the same way. And I'm going to look, first of all, just a little bit at this particular passage, and then I'm going to look at three things that actually, I think, practically can help us to love her, the church, in the same way that Christ does. So first of all, he um, gave himself up for her. Just turn to that first. Uh, he gave himself up for her. Just flip back, yeah. Verse 25. He gave himself up for her. Often we have the view uh, that actually, well, Christ died for all, didn't he? Christ died as a ransom. And here, Paul is being quite specific and quite personal. And he's saying here, in Ephesians 5, 25, that he died, Christ died, and he gave himself up for his bride. He gave himself up for her, the church. This wasn't a conspiracy that he happened to fall foul of. This was a chosen course of action that he gave himself up. He chose it, and he, he gave himself up. He was looking ahead when he was on the cross 
He was looking ahead to that day that we read about in Revelations. That day when his bride was going to be presented to him, spotless, in all her glory and all her radiance. And we don't know yet, do we, who actually is going to, it's going to comprise of. There are people that, that die, and we don't know whether they made some, some confession of, of faith. There's things that are hidden from us. But this we do know, that she will be complete. No one will be missing. And not only will she be complete in number, but she also will be complete in terms of being spotless and radiant and perfect and mature. I love this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones on this very verse. He said, he loved her in spite of her deficiencies. He saw her in rags, in her vileness, but he loved her. He loved the church, not because she was glorious and beautiful, because she wasn't, but that he might make her such. He was not only willing to sacrifice himself for her, he actually did sacrifice himself for her. Such is Christ's love for the church. He actually did do it. He wasn't just willing to do it. He did it. The parable of the pearl of great price, often we don't understand it. Often it gets the wrong way, and we kind of hear that actually man actually sells everything he's got in order to gain the pearl of great price, and we sometimes interpret that to mean that actually we have kind of given up everything in order to kind of gain salvation, and it doesn't mean that at all. It's actually talking about Christ, and it's talking about the way that Christ gave everything, including his own life, in order to gain. Gain what? Because he had everything, didn't he? No, what was the pearl of great price? His church. <laughs> his people. He gave up everything in order to gain his bride. The pearl of great price. You are a pearl of great price. And there's also an ongoing, persistent love that he demonstrates towards his church. He's not done with her yet. It's not just about bringing in the full number, but about completing to maturity. He's still doing it. He's still doing his ironing. <laughs> yeah? He's ironing out the wrinkles. It says that no, no spot or wrinkle. He's ironing out the wrinkles, okay? He's still doing his ironing. And... He's working on you and me, is he not? Yeah? Do you know how he does that? <laughs> how does he do that? How does he, how does he do the ironing? What does he use to do the ironing? I, I do a bit of ironing at home. Okay. I kind of, I'm slightly particular about how my shirts are ironed. So I kinda, and I can also do them super fast. I kind of count myself just to see how quickly I can iron a shirt in. You know, always do them with the buttons done up and zip, 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 and kind of get on with that, right? So I do, I do all those things. So what does he use to actually iron the wrinkles out? Heat, yes, okay. Yeah, we're thinking very physics. What? Who else? <laughs> 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that sort of answer that's kind of like, that takes us away from the physics lab and back into kind of real life. Other people. Yes, who said that? Thank you. Other people. See, we can think, oh, yeah, yeah, it's about the spirit and the word and so on. But you know what he uses the most? And if you've come to a member's course, you would know this answer. He uses you and me. See, he uses you and me. He uses the local body of the church. That's who he uses. It's you and me. We help one another because we love one another. We need to love one another. That's what I'm talking about today. Loving one another, loving the church. We love the church. It's not just about me and just getting on, you know, I just need to get to heaven as quick as I can. It's about helping one another so that we all might come. We are trying to help each other. Look, hey, bit of a spot there, Andy. You know, <coughs> can I just uh, wrinkle that out a bit? Hey, I've got a nice hot iron here. Zip! You know, and I'm going to kind of, but I, you know I love you. Can I speak into your life? Can I, just, can, I, can I just sort that little edge out there? There's a little bit of a crease there. I shouldn't be there. Ching, 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 ching. Okay? He uses us. We're a body of the church. He uses local church to actually fashion us and make us mature in Him. Yeah? Don't think of life ever. The New Testament never had a concept of Christians living outside, out with, as we would say in Scotland, uh, the local church, okay? Because actually, <laughs> a lot of that work of actually making us perfect, of working on those things, is done within local church. We need local church. Thomas Schreiner, he's a theologian, good theologian, good, good to read some of his stuff. God's intention was not merely to save individuals, but to create a new community, a new people for His glory. Sometimes we have a very individualistic kind of concept of God, and it's about me and kind of growing, and I'm reading my word, and I'm kind of coming to church, but it's about me, and we, we don't see the community that actually God's trying to bring us into. We grow in maturity. We become clean. Our sharp corners, our stinky habits get sorted out by one another speaking into our lives because they love us enough to say so. Three things that actually we can do to actually help us to love the church more. Three things. And the first thing is loving the church means loving other churches too. It includes other churches that we aren't in. We have this amazingly candid description in Luke 9. I'm not going to turn to it. I'm going to just tell you. Poor old John gets quite a kind of like, it, it kind of exposes John. You think of lovely John, beloved John, John the beloved, all that kind of thing. Listen to him here. <laughs> he, he, he encounters some Christians who, he's, uh, who have obviously, they have been seeing Jesus praying with the sick and praying and casting out demons. And uh, the trouble is, these other Christians are not part of the 12. So, he, as part of the 12, in fact, part of the three, goes along and he tells them off. He says, and he's relaying it back to Jesus. So, what, what, were, you, what were you doing, John? 
Yeah, 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 so, sorry, yeah, master, yeah. So what I was doing, I mean, can you believe it? These guys over here, <laughs> the audacity of it, I mean, I mean, they're not part of us. You know, they, they were casting out demons, <laughs> and what did you do? Well, I banned them, of course. I, I said, that's it, yeah, forget it. You know, stop it right now, never again. If I ever see you trying to do that again, that's it. You know, listen, I'm John, you know. So you stop it right now. And what did Jesus say? Jesus went, <laughs> John, <laughs> no! <laughs> Whoever is not against you is for you. That's what Jesus says. So you think John would catch that, don't you? You think, oh, ding, you know, idiot. And I had, I had I not catch that point. But next we get in Luke 9. I mean, John's just been up the Mount of Transfiguration. He has just had this amazing time where he's seen kind of, you know, the heavens come down, and he's seen the glory of the radiance of Christ. But he, we, we then see him going straight in, and they've got to cut, Jesus decides to cut through Samaria um, on his way. And the Samaritans are... Uh, Obviously, they have a, a different worship practices to the Jews. Uh, Jesus is okay with that. And he, they cut through, and they don't kind of receive uh, Jesus and the disciples quite as they should. And James and John, this time, they just turn around to Jesus and say, basically, okay, should we, uh, should we just nuke them? just bring down fire from heaven, just kind of destroy these people right now, just kill them off. I mean, you know, that's obviously, you know, <laughs> if you're like, what? <laughs> Jesus is just, he, he, it just says he rebukes them. <laughs> do you know, a loving other churches, maybe they don't do all the things the same, you know, just think about the churches in Edinburgh. Maybe they do some different things to us, Okay. Maybe you look at it and you're thinking, you know what, you kind of don't believe in adult baptism like we do. Maybe, you know, I mean, the gifts of the Spirit are clearly for today. What are you going to do, ban them? <laughs> what do you think Jesus is going to say when you say, yeah, no, I, I told them, just that's it. If, you, if that's what you're going to do, just close up shop, just stop it, you know, just go away, you know. What is Jesus going to say if actually we take that attitude? He's going to say, listen, just like he said to, to John, really, stop it, you immature, arrogant believer. <laughs> you know, he's going to speak into us and say, come on, what do we, what do we need to do? I, I, I love what's happening right now in Edinburgh. You know, we have seen just since the summer pastors coming together, and I'm trying to get along most Thursdays mornings, uh, at 7 o'clock on Princess Street in Costa, and we are praying together. Church, pastors from lots of different churches uh, between 7 and 8, and we're praying for our city. We are praying that God would come in power, and that we would see him turn this city around. And it's great. It's really good. It's got life to it, let me say. It really has. So what can we do? I want to say these things. We can speak well of other churches. We can not accentuate the differences. 
We can, don't boast and brag about your own church. Learn how to lift them up for what they are doing in prayer. Amen? Okay, point two. What else can we do? Loving the church means loving those not like us. It means, as I said earlier, laying aside the individual for the corporate. Paul spends two whole chapters in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 talking about the body. He uses the analogy of the actual body of a person um, as a metaphor about how the local body of the church interrelates to each other. When, you know, obviously when Jesus was physically on earth, people could go to him. They could literally grab the hem of his garment and tug it. Okay. Nowadays, what do they need to do? How do they connect? How do they connect with God? Well, they grab your, <laughs> they grab you, and they tug you, and they actually you reach out. You're the one who's reaching out. We, as the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. We are the arms and legs of Christ. We're reaching into our communities. Hey, why didn't you come along to the carol service? Hey, why didn't you come along to our uh, little soiree we're having at our home, as we heard in the announcements? You know, we're actually, we're trying to reach out and trying to connect people to God. That's our role. We can pray for the sick. We can feed the hungry. We can visit the lonely. What I want to say is, don't get over-inflated view of yourself about your own indispensability. Don't dismiss other people in the local church that are just a bit different. We need to learn how to love and to honor those who are not quite like us. So, Paul gives this example. I'm just changing around slightly, but it, you know we can give this example. He can say, well, it's like the hand. And the hand can say to the nose, okay? And say, well, what's the point of you guys? You know, I mean, you're just some kind of protrusion on the face, you know? I mean, what do you do exactly? Apart from kind of sniffle and kind of smell things, you know? Uh, I mean, what is your purpose? What is your point? I mean, you know, look at me. I can, I can chop wood. I can write books. I can, you know, dig the garden. I can make food. You know, I can bring a kind of a, a caress and love. I can uh, hold a baby, you know. What's the, what can you do? And the nose turns around and says, yeah, you can do a lot of great things, Hand thing is you can also do a lot of harm too there's a lot of harmful things you can do which actually I can't do <laughs> and uh, you've got to learn how to do those how to learn how to do those things I want to say that um, I think we need to learn how to appreciate one another we need to think differently Wh who is that person that you find in the church that's just you're avoiding or that you find difficult in the conversation. You know, they start talking and you try and close down that conversation as quickly as you can. Am I I'm just being real, okay? Loving means being real, okay? 
Be honest, please. And you just get annoyed at that person just keeps going on and on and on about their toddler. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get sleep again last night. Yeah, okay. We, we've heard it before. We heard it last week. And you're saying the same thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, great. Okay. You've got health issues. Okay, yeah, you had health issues last month as well and last year, and, and you've still got health issues. Okay. You had a prophetic word. Okay, well, before lunch, after lunch, every day this week. Yeah, okay, God is speaking to you richly. Great for you. <laughs> we, we can just show it in patience that actually we need to learn how to love like Jesus. We need to love one another like Jesus. Do you know, I think sometimes that our art of conversation as time's going on is actually diminishing with social networking rather than getting bigger. We think it's the opposite, but it's actually not. See, I can, I'll just kind of open out a couple of things that you know I might kind of look at, and I can go online, and I can kind of zoom in, and I can look not only at gardening, but I can look at gardening with roses. Not only gardening with roses, but I can look at gardening with roses of roses that grow to five feet of, <coughs> of certain type, not floribondas, not hybrid tea. I can come right into a particular thing, and I can look at all the people who love roses right the way across the world who love those particular kind of roses. The trouble is, it makes me... It's, it, I'm not broadening, I'm actually narrowing down. I can look at rock bands of the 70s. I can narrow it down and look at rock bands in the 70s where <coughs> the lead singer is no longer alive. And I can look at all the people who love those kind of bands, you know, like The Doors and other things like that. And I can kind of home in and we can have our little kind of section, okay, thing is about church, about community, is that we, we're trying to learn the opposite thing. We actually need to learn to be broad. I need to learn that uh, when uh, Peter, I talk to Peter and he says, yeah, uh, so what have you done? Well, I, I've been fly fishing. Okay, so, okay, fly fishing. Uh, so what, what do I know about fly fishing? I don't know anything about fly fishing. You know, how, what, what am I going to say to him? Maybe Tim's going to come to me and say, oh, you want to know about my latest uh, DIY disaster? Do I? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, <coughs> maybe Heather's going to talk to me about her late, latest knitting pattern. You know, I, I, I've got to learn to be broader than I am in order to love, in order to listen. I want to use this word, listening with interest. I need to learn to listen with interest, yeah? That's how people know, you, you, you're not really listening to me, are you? You're, you're, you're drifting off, you really wanna talk to somebody else who's, you wanna find somebody else who wants to talk about the blasted rock band. You know, you're not interested in my knitting patterns. I need to listen with interest. I show love by listening. Even listening to Dan talking about heart, you know? <laughs> <coughs> I mean, goodness me, I, it's t I tell you, it takes all my patience. I don't, I, I, <coughs> I don't know anything about it. I have no interest in it, absolutely. <coughs> I know they dress in a maroon top, okay? That's about it, that's about it. Uh, <coughs> but I need to learn, okay? I want to say this, you know what? Do you know the best place we can learn how to do this? Small group small group. We don't put small groups where you're all the same. 
We put, mix it all up. It's a time to say, so how was your week? Well, da -da -da -da, I had this knitting problem. Okay, tell, tell me about the knitting problem. What was it? You know, did you lose? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Did you pearl too? And you know, <laughs> my wife knits, so I, I, I hear it. She does talk to me about it, but it doesn't quite go in. <laughs> but you know, it's a really good place to learn how to listen with interest. I love the way, <laughs> I love the way in uh, John four. Jesus is just. You know, the guys have all gone off to get lunch because they're hungry, and he's left there. And he just starts up this conversation with this Samaritan woman. This Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman getting water in the middle of the day. Big hint. People don't go in the middle of the day. It's too hot. The only people who go in the middle of the day are the people who don't want to actually try and meet anyone else because they're embarrassed about their social circumstance. That's what this woman was. She knew nobody talks to me. Certainly not Jewish men like you, Jesus. But you know what? He listens. He listens with interest. He shows care and concern. And he finds out about our life. And not only does he do that and talk about himself, but he also talks about kind of worship of both the Samaritans and the Jews. And he explains things to this woman. He doesn't leave her feeling condemned. He says, yeah, no, actually, I know all about your life and about how many husbands you've had, etc. But actually, she knows she's loved. We need to learn how to do that. Maybe you learn how to love one another. Building good relationships means we keep short accounts. We don't let bitterness creep in. We admit our faults quickly. We forgive easily. One of the greatest roles in the church, I want to say this to everyone here, is small group leadership. Week in, week out, faithful. You know what you're doing? I just want to commend you. If you are a small group leader, just give me a wave, up and down. Yeah, great. I want to commend you guys and say, you know what? You are doing a brilliant job because you're actually helping us to love like Jesus and to really build community, doing what Christ does. Thirdly, loving the church means seeing how precious she is. God. Maybe the band wants to come up. The reason we don't have a higher view of church is because we get dulled. And I'm leaving my powerful point to the end here. We get dulled by our own personal experience, don't we? I want to speak to some of you here and to those that are listening on MP3. And you've given up on church due to painful experiences in the past. You've decided to concentrate all your energies on Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. You've simply withdrawn from church because it's too painful for you. Too much water has gone under the bridge. Revelations 21. And I think John is making up for his kind of comments to <laughs> about the Samaritans <laughs> here. Because he then says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He rejoices over his bride. He chooses to live in the midst of her. You know, just as it's, it would be crazy for me to say to, crazy there, <coughs> to say to Kieran, you know, I love you, but I really can't stand your bride-to-be. We'd say that was horrendous. It's horrendous to say the same to God. I love you, guy. I, I, you, you're fantastic. But I just haven't got any time for your church. That's what it's like. He's still making us spotless and cleaning us and taking the spots out, wrinkling, taking the wrinkles out. Thank God you and I are part of it and we're imperfect, but God's working on us. If you've backed off church, if you've given up on the body of Christ, I want to say this to you in closing. Ask God. Ask God for his love again. Ask God for his love again for her. You know, Anne and I learned very early on in our marriage that if actually we were just getting a little bit cool and actually things were kind of like, we kind of lost the passion and the heart and the desire for each other. We learned this and we keep doing this throughout our long marriage now. And we just pray and we say, God, you are the fount of all love. Come now and just burn that love back in us again. Bring it up in us. Bring that fountain of wonderful joy and exuberance and passion for each other. And we can pray the same if actually we've lost that edge for the church. If actually it's all just kind of, it's lost its shine. It's just become tarnished for you. We can say, God, renew again in me a joy for your church. Yeah? We're going to respond in a moment. We're going to sing first. Lord, I thank you, God, that your heart and desire is that we may be in love with your church. Lord, I pray that you help us have grace, deep grace for one another. Build that love for each other. Help us, God, to be overflowing with a hope and a certainty, looking ahead to that day in Revelations where we will be presented to you spotless, mature, without wrinkle. In Jesus' name, amen.